Today's reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge for the poor and decide with equity for the oppressed of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion will feed together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This morning, as we continue our journey through Advent, we're continuing to prepare uh, our hearts for the coming of Christ as a child born in a manger and as the Messiah who is coming to redeem and restore all of creation. Last week, we talked about Isaiah's vision of how uh, God's coming kingdom is one that we're invited to join into. That we don't just imagine a world transformed by grace and the righteousness of God, but that we can actually put our hands to work to make God's kingdom real even here and now. Isaiah's first vision for us this Advent was of God's kingdom coming on the highest of mountains and drawing all people towards it as God teaches the ways of justice and the ways of righteousness. The vision we take up today in Isaiah chapter 11 is also one filled with hope, but not just in a kingdom that is coming, but in a Savior, a Messiah, who will radically reorient the created order of things. So if you have your Bible with you or you have um, your bulletin, please open it up to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 10. We're just going to read through this passage of Scripture together as we discover its riches for us this Advent season. Isaiah says in verse 1, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. I'm always shocked when I hear this verse, mainly because it's such an easy verse for us to skip past. Isaiah says, A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse, and his, his branch will bear fruits. Now friends, how do you get a stump, just out of curiosity? Do you remember how you get a stump? Yeah, you cut a tree down in order to get a stump. 
There has to be loss in order for there to be a stump, but not just any tree. You can't cut down a sapling and get a tree. You can't cut down a young tree and get a stump. Excuse me. You've got to cut down a significant tree in order to have a stump. Saplings and seedlings, they don't make stumps. It takes 20 or 30 years for a tree to be big enough to have a considerable stump. I grew up around oak trees in Richmond Hill. There was a massive one that covered the playground at Richmond Hill Elementary School. And during the hot uh, fall slash summer slash winter slash spring days <laughs> on the playground, we were able to sort of hide in the shade of that oak tree. Its shade would cover us. Richmond Hill had several large and significant oak trees at the crossroads of Highway 17 and Highway 144. These trees, they seemed to stretch out their weathered and wind-gnarled limbs toward the center of the road. I imagine those trees witnessing the growth of my hometown from a little hamlet on the coast into a modern suburb. They surely must have witnessed Sherman's troops advancing toward the coast and Fort McAllister. They witnessed a troop of Cub Scouts raising a flag to welcome a new Hardee's on the corner at one point. Those trees, they had seen hurricanes and homecoming parades. They'd witnessed accidents in their old age and bore the marks and scars of the nails and posters advertising everything from neighborhood-wide garage sales to Methodist barbecues. Those trees... Those trees were glorious sentinels to life on the Georgia coast. So you can imagine my heartache when I saw those trees unceremoniously removed, brutally cut to the ground. Let's be honest, friends. When you cut an old tree, it's a brutal act, isn't it? It causes us heartache and pain. Every time I drive home, I think on those trees. I remember those trees. Some family and friends of mine were so distraught by the cutting down of those trees, they reached out to, I don't know if it was the city council or the, the county, uh, to say we need to do something to remember these trees. And so for the low, low price of 25 or $50, you could get a slice of the tree. It wasn't quite the same. I'll be honest with you, the landscape of my childhood memory is forever scarred by the absence of those trees. I still miss those trees. Today, even their stumps have been removed. It's a sad sight. Every time a significant tree is cut down, there's a sense of loss. The stump Isaiah is referring to here in his vision is the stump of the covenant made with David. The stump that said that for all of eternity, there would be a king who would reign on David's throne. The stump in Isaiah's memory is a dried up stump that reminds him of the nation's past glory, their past power, their past prosperity, all that they once were as a people. That it had all come crashing down to the ground and all that remains is that low stump. That sad stump was not only a reminder of the past, but an icon for the future. What good can come from a dead stump? 
in the face of such devastation and pain? What could possibly come? What good could come from that place? But from that dead and dried up stuff, something miraculous does come. Something miraculous does happen. And isn't it just like God to start where there seems to be no place to start? To make a way where there seems to be no way to begin again when it seems like all is lost. If you think back, that's the story of Abraham, and that's the story of Noah, and that's the story of Moses, and the judges, and the prophets, and even the story of a few of the kings, friends. When all seems lost, God makes a way for God's people. From that stump, that grim reminder of past glory and present frustration, a shoot rises up stretching its young tendrils towards the light. As it ages in time, it begins to bear fruit. Isaiah is talking about a Savior, about a Messiah from the lineage of David who would carry forward God's plan and God's covenant for God's people and with God's people. Isaiah is thinking of a person when he sees that shoot spring up. Look how Isaiah goes on to describe this young shoot from the stump of Jesse. He says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, reverence of the Lord. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. This new shoot, this new leader, this savior, this Messiah will be unlike any other that's come before him, anointed by the Spirit of God with wisdom and understanding, with counsel and might, knowledge and reverence for God. The fruit that his life bears is righteousness and justice that uplifts the poor, the needy, the broken, and the outcast. Friends, if you're wondering who Isaiah is talking about, He's talking about Jesus. Don't miss it here. Isaiah is talking about our Savior, Jesus, the Messiah from the line of David, the stump of Jesse, whose life, death, and resurrection inaugurate the coming of the kingdom of God and set in motion the redemption of the world. Friends, it's Jesus' justice. It's Jesus' righteousness. It's Jesus' faithfulness. Faithfulness unto death, even death on a cross that not only fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah 11, but opens the door for all of us, all of creation, to enter into eternity with God. And Jesus' rule and reign will be unlike any other. Instead of violence, there will be peace. Instead of heartache and pain, there will be comfort and rest. Instead of poverty and brokenness, there will be a new way of living that makes justice available to all. Look at how Isaiah goes on to describe it. The wolf will lie with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf, and the lion, and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. 
The infant will play near the cobra's den and the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. Neither will they harm nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I love this image of the coming kingdom. Because what we call the natural order of things will be turned completely upside down or maybe right side up by Jesus' rule and reign. Because violence and justice that are the, and injustice, excuse me, that are the hallmark of our lives and of our world will be replaced by peace, true peace, real, lasting peace. Imagine a world where all things live in peace with one another. That's quite a contrast between the world we currently live in and the kingdom that Jesus is bringing. But Jesus' kingdom is a kingdom of peace, real lasting peace, not just the temporary cessation of violence between peoples and nations, but a kingdom and world where everyone's heart's inclination towards violence and injustice will be forever replaced with a desire for righteousness, for holiness, for justice, and for peace. It'll be a place where lions and lambs lie down, where leopards and goats and calves all live in peace because there are no more predators. And none are thought of as prey. Those that were powerful and those that are weak are made equal. And they have no fear of one another. Imagine a world where we have no fear of the other. Of the person that we sit next to when we go to the Georgia Southern game of the person that we bump into on the street, a place where we have no fear of those who are different than us. Imagine a world. Isaiah goes on to say, in that day the root of Jesse, that's Jesus, will stand as a banner for all the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. I want you to know something this morning, friends. You cannot separate Jesus from his kingdom. Jesus isn't coming back simply to take us away from this place, to whisk us off into a heaven where we can sit on clouds and play harps. That's not the vision we have at all here. Jesus is coming to establish his kingdom forever, and you can't separate the Messiah from his rule and his reign. The hope we have this Advent, the peace we have this Advent is rooted in the anticipation of Christ coming again to draw all people to himself and to establish himself as the banner over us for all time. And you and I are invited to help bring this peaceable kingdom on earth even today. This Advent, as you prepare your heart for Jesus Christ, look for opportunities amid all of the busyness and all of the noise and all of the shopping and work to pause and to reflect on how Jesus is inviting you to experience His peace. Because I believe that as Jesus establishes Himself as the Lord of our hearts, the Lord of our lives, and his peace begins to reign in us, that that very same peace will begin to spill out of us 
and transform the world around us. Friends, this morning, you might look back on the stump of your past glory and wonder how could any of this ever be. It all looks so dead. It all looks so hopeless. I'd remind you today that our God is in the business of resurrection. The business of raising the dead to life, of making a way where there seems to be no way that the stumps and scars of our past provide fertile ground for new life to take root in us and for God's kingdom and reign to be established in us. This is the work of God for us and in us. And if we allow it through us for the sake of the world, friends, our Savior is coming. King Jesus is coming on the clouds and His kingdom is coming with them. And you are invited even now to prepare the way of the Lord, to make straight the crooked paths, to put your hands to work for God's kingdom and God's righteousness, for justice and peace, even here, even now, even today. The hope we have this Advent, the peace that we have this Advent, the joy and the love that we have this Advent is rooted in the vision, not just of a Savior who's come, but in a Savior who is coming to make all things new in His name and by His power. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, we thank You that You are coming to establish peace in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds, and in our world, Lord. And we pray that we would bend our hearts, bend our lives towards You, that we might receive that same peace, God. Peace not only from the anxiety and the stress of life, but true peace that restores the very core of our being, that transforms our hearts and lives, that we might be a part of transforming the world. Lord Jesus, we thank you for drawing us to yourselves and for allowing us to have a part in your kingdom work here and now. We pray, Lord, today that as we receive Holy Communion together, that you would send us out to be bearers of your gospel, to speak the truth and love, and to offer hope and peace to a world in great need. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.